let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, or yes, Romans 4 verse 9. We're going to talk about how to receive God's promises. See, there's a World War II story of a guy who jumped in a foxhole. The enemy bullets are flying overhead. So he is, his situation is desperate. And while in the foxhole, he pulls out a crucifix, and he turns to this buddy next to him in the foxhole, and he goes, how do you get this thing to work? Like there's some kind of magic, and it's just not working for him. But as clever or actually weird as that is, I see so many believers, when it comes to receiving the promises of God, they're going, how do you get these things to work? What kind of promises are we looking at? Do you know there's, I read once, there's over 800 promises. I think there's even more than that. What ones do you want to, do you need to claim this week? How about in Joel chapter 2, verse 25? By way of application for us, God says, I will restore to you the years that sin has eaten away. And if you're familiar with the context, locusts had done so much damage, there's nothing left. And God says, see how bleak it is? I'll restore it. And then you're going, I think I've blown it so much in my life, God can't restore it. How about this promise in Philippians 4, verse 6? And I've simplified it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray. That's the bottom line. And look at the promise. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through, through Jesus Christ or through Christ Jesus. So pray. You can have the peace of God this morning if you claim this promise. Here's another one. Romans 8 says God wants you to be more than conquerors. More than con not just not just winning, not just crossing the finish line, but more than conquerors. And you might go, the only thing I conquered this week was that apple pie my daughter made me for Father's Day, you know? You might put on a few pounds, but what a way to go. And you go, conquer? I know how to conquer food. But he says, no, no, no. As a soldier in Christ, you can be more than a conqueror. You can be fed up with being pushed around. Fed up with being intimidated by the enemy, you can become more than a conqueror. How about this one? Jesus said, you know, the thief only came to rob, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You go, abundant life? Look at my life. I don't have an abundance. You don't have that quality of love, joy, and peace. How about promises of wisdom? Promises that he will guide. Promises of his giving you fruitfulness. These are the promises that we can claim. Now, review thus far in Romans. Romans 1 through 3 was very simply summed up, we're all sinners, right? We need grace. We need forgiveness. So in chapter 4, we started out with terms like justified. And we said, you break that down, it's just as if I'd never sinned, but that's not enough. See, if, if this is like a continuum, here's heaven, here's hell, and here's the middle. Just as if I'd never sinned just brings me to the middle. But it's plus having the righteousness of God in Christ. That when I put on the robes of righteousness in Christ, God looks at me and declares me just as righteous as his son. And you might be horrified by that. But the truth is anything less than that, and you don't get into heaven. It's all Jesus or it's nothing. So in Romans 6, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, we read about this imputed, and I think, it's, I think it's nine times in this chapter, six or nine times, a lot of times. Imputed, and you go, what does that mean? Well, remember I used that illustration, it's like, it's a one-sided thing. 
I'm on the receiving end. It's not because I did something I get this. I'm on the receiving end, and it's like someone who has a ton of Hawaiian Airlines miles, they impute it into your account for free. All of a sudden, it shows up in your account. Wow, I didn't have that. I didn't do anything except receive it. So there's the doctrine of the imputation. We ended last week with being blessed. Remember, we talked about the three different kinds of sins and what a blessing it is to be forgiven. The, the transgression, crossing a line. Whether I knew it was there or not, I've offended a holy, holy, holy God. This, the, the, the one of sin, of falling short. And I often use, well, if we go from Ali'is and try to swim to Japan, even though we're trying, we're falling short. Guys, that's a super weak illustration. We're not talking about going to Japan. We're talking about attaining the righteousness, the glory of God. And even though we're trying, we're going to fall short. And it's called sin. And, of course, then the third one was iniquity. That twisted wickedness. I know it's wrong. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. So with that, we read the first portion of this morning, beginning in Romans 4, verse 9. I'm reading from the New King James. So speaking of the blessedness of being forgiven, does this blessedness come upon the circumcised only or upon the, uh, um, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How? Or you could even say when. When was this accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised but while uncircumcised, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he, which he had while still un, uncircumcised, that he might be the father of those who believe, though they are uncircumcised. Enough of this stuff, right? The right, but, um, I'm sorry. That he might be the father of those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them. Remember, one-sided, just receiving. The father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now at this point, I'm going, are you serious? We're talking about circumcision again. Uh, good news, this is not mentioned again until chapter 15. But the thing is, you go, why is there so much? What is the fascination What's the fixation on talking about circumcision to these Jews? And it's because all their lives they've been told, hey, you get this, you're in. You're in. It's a sign, you're in. And so for decades, his listeners have been hearing, I've got this, I'm in. They go to church or temple, synagogue, they're hearing it. They're in their community of believers, they're hearing it. And so now this guy's coming along saying, uh-uh. That doesn't do anything. That's just a sign. Just like water baptism can be a very significant thing or it can be meaningless if you think, now I'm going to heaven. You know, or taking communion. Well, now I'm going to heaven. No, these are all signs of a relationship. Let me explain it this way. Abraham, the bottom line of this portion, he was declared righteous before he was circumcised. And then they go, oh, and this will be a sign, not after. Now, we uh, as our Ohana group, if you're not in an Ohana group, you're missing out. They're really tight. They're really fun. And, and there's so much more than a Bible study. Recently, one of our single gals had a dead car battery. 
And so we have a text in our Ohana group, too, oh, what do I do? And I was so impressed with how many people texted back. And finally, uh, Pete Klaproth and his son Jude go over there and jump-started her. But then another thing we do, we go stand up paddling a lot. And we call it chicken in a bag. So we go out to the Anahulu stream and go upstream a little. And we all congregate. And it's usually sit-down paddling. But it's the, we have this chicken in the bag, barbecue chicken. We have ice cream. And, and so we're doing that for Father's Day. And I noticed this guy paddles by. He could have been a model. I am not kidding. He was shredded. And, you know, you hear about the six-pack. His was 12 or 18 pack. It was pretty disgusting. You barely have enough skin to cover your muscles. And he paddles by. Well, I kept my shirt on. I didn't want to intimidate the guy. So he, he paddles by. And then he goes up to, and he comes around and comes back. I don't know, 20 minutes later, whatever. Do you ever have that thing where you go, I am supposed to talk to this guy. I'm supposed to share with this guy. And, and so I did, and I don't know how we started. But in, in soon I shared my 30-second testimony about what Jesus means to me. And he's listening. And uh, he goes, well, okay, I'm a Catholic, but truth is, I haven't been to church in two years. So I need to get going back to church. And I go, you know, I was Catholic. So I'm bridge building. And I go, um, what I liked about Catholic was the doctrine of purgatory. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, Catholics uh, teach that at the end of your life, they, you're put on a scale. If the good outweighs, eh, if it's questionable, you go to purgatory and purge or, you know, singe for a while, and then you're good enough to get into heaven. And I told them, I loved that doctrine because I could play games here on earth, burn for a while, and then spend it forever in heaven. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, you know there's no purgatory? What? Yeah, there's nothing. It's not there. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's, it means paid in full, meaning you owe nothing. You're free to go to heaven. And, and there is no purgatory. Now he's going, he's trying to grasp that. I, I see his troubled face like, wait a minute, why? Because all his life he's been told purgatory. All his life he goes to church we would pray for the souls in purgatory. His mom and dad would tell him, his school, everything. It's just all, all you ever hear. And all of a sudden, here's some guy saying, there is no such thing. You're not going to get to heaven that way. And he's got to hear it more than once. So at the end, I said, uh, hey, uh, do you want me to pray for you? He goes, yeah, okay. Now, thus far, it's just been the two of us on the river. Nobody else around. Hey, you want me to pray? Yeah, yeah, sure. And so uh, I'm praying for him. And at this point, three of the single gals from our Ohana group paddle by. <laughs> and they're going, did you share with him? Did you pray with him? I said, yeah. He wanted a wife. And I said, give up. They're all crazy over here in Hawaii. Just <laughs> go back to the man. Just, uh, what? I'm crazy? Just... But the thing is, he needs to hear it again and again. Because it's not just this first time, ah, oh, I see the light. It's like, what? You're challenging everything I believe in. And that's what the Jews are going through. I, the first time they hear about circumcision, no, 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 I just reject that. Because I can prove it biblically in the Old Testament. And, and then they hear it again and again. And then finally he goes, you know, that makes sense. And so from there, so 
Again, that whole portion is, listen, he got that sign while, before he got circumcised. He believed. That's what God was after. So the next part. For, this, for the promise that he would be the, the heir of the world or inherit everything, it was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, like they earned it, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. The promise is made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For the, where, where there is no law, there's no transgression. So I cannot break a law that doesn't exist. That's what he's saying. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. Therefore, by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, Ephesians chapter 2. So it's grace through faith. The promise might be, be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, not only to the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, the lifestyle, the belief system. Who is the father of us all? That is, it's written, I've made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Let there be light, going back to Genesis, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So here's, there's going to go into four steps of how to receive the promises of God. Number one, and not, oops, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he's about 100 years old, the deadness of Sarah's womb, she's 90. Number two, he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Number three, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform, and uh, that, that's number four as well, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. That was written for his sake, or it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. So this is how we can receive these promises. It, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses, our sins, and was raised because of our just as if I had never sinned, plus the righteousness of God in Christ. All right, so... How to receive God's promise. There's four keys here. Now, I just shared on this a bit in January when we are talking about the life of Abraham. But this is going to be a, a different twist on it. So there's four things. Two did nots that he did not do, and then two that he did. He didn't consider his own body. Do you remember when God first said, I'm going to give you a son? And he said to, a to Sarah, I'm going to give you a son. They laughed. They laughed when they first heard, they go, ha, not in my lifetime. You're kind of late, God. I'm 90, she's, or I'm 99, she's 90. It's, it's beyond the ability to, to bear children. It's not going to happen. And so he laughed, and his son was called Isaac, which means laughter. Now, we have these categories when we hear a promise uh, or, or a task, simple, difficult, or impossible. See, I, I, I rise to the occasion for the simple. Okay, I can do that. But this one is mission impossible. It's beyond impossible. Think of Peter. 
Hey, when Jesus said, step out, step out. Now, if, he, if the first thing he did was consider his own body, he'd go, it's not going to work, Lord, not in this lifetime. I'm heavier than water. And so when he stepped out on the water, what he really did was step out on the word. He said, Jesus, if that's you, great prayer. I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be my wishful thinking. I can tend to go places with it if, if it's you. If you're in this, bid me to come. Call me out. Come. He didn't step out on the water as much as he stepped out on the word of God, on the promises of God. But he didn't consider his own body or he would have never done it. The second did not is he didn't waver at the, the promise of God. Two, two aspects to this. First, the, the, the mind games. He could say, no, no, I totally messed up. If you go back in time, Abraham was 75. God says, come to the promised land. 75, instead of retiring, he left all that stuff behind, and he goes, he's, the Bible says he didn't even know where he's going. He knew who he was following. And he gets to the promised land, and what happens? It's a drought. And so he's going, this is not what I signed up for. This, I don't want this. What am I supposed to do? And so he takes his wife, Sarah, who was extremely beautiful, and heads down south to Egypt, to enemy territory, if you will. And he tells her, I want you to lie for me. I'm going to lie. You back me up. And, of course, he was busted in his lie. He had exposed his wife to undo harm, potentially harm, and just like, what are you doing? You're the father of faith? I don't think so. You're the father of lies right now. You lied. And he goes, you know, I, I, look, I look at these buying games. I, I, I know God's calling on my life, but I think I messed up too much. I just have these mind games. I, I look around. You ever meet someone who doesn't have mind games? That gives me a mind game. How do you not have mind games, man? And he said, I, I think I messed up too much. I think I'm disqualified. I think it's somebody else. And he goes, well, maybe I'm just being punished by God. You know, I got this far. And then, yeah, I'm just teasing you. How about this in Proverbs? Just read this in devotions the other day. The righteous person falls seven times and gets back up, keeps going. So the second, then he did not waver. So the first one was the mind games. The second is unbelief. It said he didn't waver in unbelief, uh, meaning uh, I'm not sure that God can do this. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, in our Ohana groups, we're in Hebrews right now. Chapter 4 is coming up. It said the Jews didn't enter into God's rest because of unbelief. Referring back to the 12 tribe, the, the 12 spies. Remember, hey, go check out the land. We're not in the promised land yet. I want you to check it out. And they come back, they go, man, you should see the size of their grapes, huge. You should see, man, they got the avocados, they got the fruit, they got, it's a land of milk and honey. You should see the size of their giants. You should see the size of the trials, the opposition waiting for us. God didn't tell us about that. He just told us the good side. He didn't tell us you had to fight for it, that wherever your foot lands, that shall be your possession. So you're going, oh, man. So because of unbelief, they're going, I don't think God can do that. Those giants are bigger than me. So I wrote this. I don't want to miss out on all God has for me simply because 
I have mind games, or I can't, I think God can't do what he promised. I don't want to waver in unbelief. More than a conqueror. Abundant life. The peace of God. I want those. I want those. Now, from there we go to the, the two, what he did. So it says, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How do you do that? So the, the person goes, hey, wait, 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 wait. I can be strengthened in faith? How? How? Because I want to. Well, one way the Bible says we're strengthened in faith when we hear the, the word of God. That's how we can grow in faith. So what you're doing right now, if you're receiving it like a, a seed being planted in your heart, it can strengthen you in faith. But another way is what Abraham did. He gave glory to God. So it's like, God, I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're going to do what you promised to do. And as he did that, rather than think about his circumstances, he's thinking about his God. Now, it's so neat that somebody comes up and goes, who's the old man over there? What's he so happy about? How come he's singing? The guy's got to be 100 years old. Yeah, he is. He, you know, he calls himself the father of nations. Whoa. He must have had a slew of kids. Oh, yeah, none yet. But he's claiming it. His eyes are on God. And he's just thanking God for what he's going to do. 100 years old, no kid, ain't going to happen. But you know what? He's happier than I am. Just let him, let him laugh and sing and say, thank you, God, for making me a father of nations. When it looked like not going to happen. How powerful it would be if our circumstances were powerless to deter our praise life, our, our worship of God, our trusting in Him. So the fourth one is being fully convinced that what God had promised, He's able to do it. So the difficulty of the task has got to be measured by the agent performing that task. If you ask me to build you a house, it's not going to happen. I'm ill-equipped. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I'll go and pray over the land. <laughs> but it's beyond me. But nothing's beyond God. That's what he's saying. Nothing's beyond God. So it comes down to one of my Proverbs. The God who cannot lie makes promises he cannot break. He promised Abraham, you're going to be a father of the, the father of the, the nations. And he made him that. Now, I want to emphasize this with another way. I've never done this before. We're going to learn this song. I don't think we've ever sung this song in this church. Okay? Uh, my wife grew up singing. You know, her dad was the choir director, so she sang it a million times. I was a Catholic. We didn't sing. We sang Ave Maria. All right? So, uh, come thou fount. Anybody know this? Anybody, any? You sang it here? Where was I? Seriously? Man, somebody wake me up. That is terrible. Come thou fount of every blessing. Turn, tune my heart to sing. It wasn't that funny. Was, tune my heart to sing thy, pray, thy grace. I always say pray. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Oh, now I do remember singing this. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount. I'm fixed upon So he's talking about, here, there's a mount. I am positioned. 
I am so thankful I'm here. Praise the mount. I'm fixed upon it. What mount? The mount of thy redeeming love. Second verse. Anybody know it? Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by thy great help I've come. I was asked this week, what's an Ebenezer? We're about to find out. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arise at home. How about this? Arrive at home. Jesus taught, sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. So, here's the point. Here's my Ebenezer. And, and like I said, I've been asked, oh, what's an Ebenezer? It's more than that. You know what this song is saying? Here's my Ebenezer, a personal pronoun. This is mine. This is not in pride. This is a promise. This is my Ebenezer. So where does it come from? You want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 7? This is where it comes from. I think it's the only place it's, it's uh, mentioned. But it's talking about the Jewish history. In chapter 6, their their um. What do you call it? Was, uh, their tabernacle was taken away. Uh, the ark was taken away to the Philistines. They returned it, but not all the way home, not all the way to Jerusalem. And so in chapter 7, then the men of Kirath Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of this guy. And it was there for 20 years. It remained there for a long time. 20 years. So verse 3, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord, so here's his promise, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts and then put away from you the foreign gods and the asterisks and from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord. So that's quite a challenge. Why don't, why don't we take that challenge today? If we right now, and this is leading up to embracing, enjoying the promises of God, if we would prepare our hearts. So the children of Israel put them away. Actually, it goes on to say they fasted and prayed. They, they were getting right with the Lord. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and Asherahs and served the Lord only. In verse 5, Samuel said, gather all Israel to, to Mizpah. So that's what their starting point is, Mizpah. And I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out on the ground. That's, that's the symbolic of, Lord, I could have consumed this on myself, but I'm giving it to you. I want to be like this. I want to be poured out as an offering to you. So that's what they're doing. This is repentance. They fasted that day. And they said there, we have sinned against the Lord. So there's confession. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now the Philistines heard the children of Israel had gathered to the, to, together at Mizpah. And the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. Let me tell you what happened here. So they're praying and fasting. And the enemy hears about it. The enemy hears, what? Let's attack. You understand, sometimes the greatest places of attack is here on Sunday morning. When, when you're coming together, we're all coming together, and man, the worship leader always sounds like, you know, he's kind of in heaven already, you know, leading with the angels, and you're going, man, I'm not feeling it this morning, and, and here comes Satan going, let's attack, 
Let's fill them with lustful thoughts. Let's fill them with pride. Let's fill them with bitterness. Let's, let's make them critical and judgmental. And, and here we are. No, I'm trying to worship God. That's why in Proverbs 5, I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly. I was in the right place. But my goodness, the attack was insane. And so here he is. Oh, they don't come up and say, Satan doesn't say, oh, they're worshiping God. They're getting right with Jesus. Let them alone. No. It's an attack. And so they turn to, to Samuel, the prophet, and he says, don't stop praying for us. We, we need prayer right now. And then, then he goes, um, in verse 12, this is what it comes to. Because the enemy's still attacking. The, the Jews were afraid. They were getting worn down. And he says, in verse 12, then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah, that's where they started, and Seth, or Shen, where they're going. So they're midway. They're partway. They're not finished. They're in the midst of the battle. And he said, he called its name Ebenezer. He said, hey, give me a stone, put it right here. I want a visual. I want it for everyone to see. This stone is Ebenezer. Why? Because thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far. It's in the midst of the battle. It's not when it's over in his prayer of thanksgiving. It's no, thus far, he has helped us. Now, this is a great lesson. You go, but how does that apply to me? Well, this is how it applies. What promises of God cause you to laugh? We started with, I'll restore to you the years that sin has eaten away. And you might go, that's for other people. They didn't sin like me. I crossed the line. It's too bad. It's too miserable. It's, 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 I, I'm reaping what I've sown. You're doubting the promise of God. How about this one? Be anxious for nothing. Here's the mind games. But in everything, pray. What a promise. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How about more than conquerors? And you go, <laughs> that's not going to happen. I fall every time I see something online. I fall every time I go to the beach. I, I fall every time someone cuts me off. I fall. You can be more than a conqueror. That's what God has called you to be. And if you hear that promise and you laugh it off, you're doing the same thing Abraham did. <laughs> That's not going to happen in my lifetime. That's what God has called you to. He doesn't want you to live in defeat. He doesn't want you to be depressed all the time. Oh, I'll never get to be victorious. No, he's called you to be more than a conqueror. How about this? What are the promises? How about the promise of abundant life? This is the normal Christian life. This isn't the exceptional for just a few. It's, it's a life of love, joy, and peace. It's not so much possessions. It is what he's given us, this abundance of love, joy, and peace. How about you need wisdom this week? Who doesn't? You need guidance so you don't blow it again? Who doesn't? You like a life of fruitfulness? What do you do? This is a long quote. Something I wrote. What do you do when you're trying to claim God's promises? And you're being bullied, pushed around, chased by the enemy of your soul. And then you have to deal with the mind games. I think I've blown it too much. I think it's over for me. When do you say, I'm tired of being pushed around? When do you say, enough? My God will make me a more than a conqueror. My God has so much more in store for me. What happens when, when the warfare increases? the way the traffic has increased here the last week. Can you believe that? I live right off of Cam Highway. Try and make a left-hand turn out of my street. 
mission impossible. In just one week, it has increased so much. And it reminds me of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 when he's battling Satan, battling Satan, and finally says, get out of here with the temptations of Christ. Get out of here. It says Satan left him but waited for a more opportune time, meaning he leaves but not for good. He leaves and he goes, okay, I'm going to hit him with the onslaught of the enemy. I'm going to hit him with both barrels. So sometimes it's slow. One thing about the COVID-19, we got spoiled rotten with the traffic out here, right? Not anymore. And that's how it is sometimes with spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's really slow. You go, wow, this is pretty cool. And then other times you go, I cannot believe how hard it is to get out of bed in the morning. I can't believe how hard it is to, to believe God to meet my needs. You start to get worn down. And then the fear factor. You go, the battle's not over. I'm not dead yet. I know I have more to do. So here is my Ebenezer. That's what the song says. Here's my, it's not a thing of pride, it's a thing of promise. So at that point, I go, well, my, your, your Ebenezer is that place where you take a stand in the midst of the battle. And you claim, you go, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not where I used to be, misplaced mis behind me. I, I'm not where I'm going. I, I, I'm part way, but I'm in the midst of this battle. The enemy's trying to destroy you. You feel like quitting. To say Ebenezer Stone is part testimony. Thus far, God has helped me. But it's also part battle cry. I got my Ebenezer. I'm claiming the promises of God. And it says, though the battle is still raging, I've taken some lumps. The victory is certain because thus far, God has helped me. You see the difference? It's not just a song anymore. It's not just something you read about in, in 1 Samuel 7. It's like, this is for me. God, God loves me. He's called me his daughter. He's called me his son. He's got a life of victory more than conquerors. This is my Ebenezer. This is where I take a stand and say, no more getting pushed around. No more being intimidated by the enemy. No more getting tired. I'm claiming God's promises. What's it like? What would it be like without an Ebenezer stone? You still have spiritual warfare. Now you're just getting afraid. Tired and defeated. Life without an Ebenezer stone, well, you still have mind games. You still have lapses of faith. But now you have no place to make a stand to claim that God's promises that apply to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. How, how do I get these promises? I don't want to leave here this morning the same way I came in. How? Remember the two did nots? Didn't consider his own body. That's the first thing you're going to be tempted to do. Lord, you know my history. I'm not good at this. You get to a point where you go, this is beyond me. This is beyond my capabilities. This is beyond my power. God, you're the one that promised it. You're the one that's got to bring it about. Maybe you first laughed when you heard some of the promises this morning. More than a conqueror. <laughs> Abundant life. Wisdom. Peace. 
and you start laughing because you know your situation so well, maybe too well, did not waver at the promise of God. What, 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 what mind games? <laughs> what laughs of it? God, I'm focused on him, not on me. Two more things. The two dids. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. If the worship team could come back up, we're going to sing Ebenezer real soon. But how powerful it would be if our circumstances did not dictate our praise. Be powerful. Finally, being convinced that what he's promised, he's also able to perform. And all I have on it here is, do you know him like that? I mean, it comes right down to, we're talking about circumcision and water baptism and communion. All these are signs that point to a relationship. But without the relationship, they're meaningless. It doesn't help you at all. Do you know him like this? Because when you come to him, you come to him on his terms. It's not, okay, Jesus, I can fit you in on Sundays. No, it's, I surrender. I surrender. I came to a point where I knew I was not headed to heaven. I needed God's forgiveness. And I simply prayed, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And on that day, in that moment, he made a commitment to me to never leave me, never forsake me, to be with me forever and ever and ever. Do you know him like that? Because if you don't, that's why you're here this morning. And once you surrender, that, that's when these promises are activated. I, okay, apply it to her account. Apply it to his account. I want to close in prayer. And then we're going to sing my Ebenezer. And as we're singing, I want you to be thinking about what promises you need to embrace and enjoy this week. What promise could be of steadfastness, could be of obedience. It could be of strength, of wisdom, of guidance. God, the Holy Spirit, will put that on your heart. But as you sing, this is my Ebenezer, claim it. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for the reality of a relationship with the creator of the universe. And now... I know your people are hurting. Some are doing great. But give it a week or so, they'll, they'll be hit. Others are running out of gas. Running out of faith. Thinking the right relationship will never come along. The right job will never come along. The right car. The right situation in life. And... Lord, I, I want them to remember your promise. You will never leave them. That we are your reward. We get you, but you get us. If you're here this morning you don't know the Lord, I encourage you to say the same prayer I did. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.